Welcome back, podcast. I hope all of you are doing well. I appreciate you being here with us for another episode. My name is Jasmine Wonders, and I'm joined by RJ Rome, as always. We're so grateful for all of you that joined us in 2020, and we hope that that continues in 2021 as we have many more guests to come. But before I jump into the episode, if you don't mind, subscribe so you're notified when these episodes come out. And if you can, write us a review. Now, let's get to the episode. So we have Haley Soul today. Welcome to the podcast, Haley. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. How about you? We're all right, I think. (laughs) (laughs) You want to tell us where you're from? What do you write? I am near Portland, Oregon, and right now I'm writing romantic comedy, hoping to expand into science fiction fantasy under a different name in the future. Why under a different name? Uh, right now I'm writing under a pen name, Haley Soul's a pen name, um, since I'm a practicing physician, and I suspect that some of my patients might um, might not like finding out that their doctor writes the steamy, sexy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of have a little partnership thing going on on the side, um, mm-hmm. critique partners or whatever you want to call us. Um, have you done that in the past? And... What do you hope to gain from it? So writing is a very new thing for me. I've always been a reader, probably like most writers. And um, and with the COVID quarantine last year, I had to close my practice temporarily. And I thought this is a chance to finally try writing, uh, which I didn't think I would get to do until I retired. Um, and I've always sort of had this tendency to edit others' works in my mind, like, oh, that would have been so much better if you'd written this or done that with the story. Um, so I sort of thought in the future I might like to be an editor. But once I started writing, I realized how much I enjoyed that. Um, but but yes, from exchanging critiques and hopefully kind critiques, um, hoping to improve my writing, so your life as a doctor is quite different than your life as a writer. How has it been balancing the two? You know, I think for better or for worse, COVID has kind of helped that. Um, right. Because right. I, you know, there's not much else to do in your free time. So in my right. free time, I do I do a lot of writing. Um, yeah, and I've I've become pretty disciplined about trying to write every morning for half an hour, an hour before work, and then on my days off, I I just write like four to six hours. So I was going to say, you write a lot faster than I'm writing right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of stuck. Oh, have you had any points where you felt stuck like that in your in your works? I think. um, So let's see. I wrote the first book um, and that was published in May, May, June. Uh, And then the second book I wrote was actually um, under the science fantasy umbrella. And I would get stuck a couple of times there. It's it's a suspense, so it's kind of that was pretty challenging to write suspense um, and keep it suspenseful. <laughs> um, and then I read some books on improving writing craft and the power of an outline, and um, and so I felt like okay, now I need to go back through and not a total rewrite, but I want to go back in armed with those 
those new tools and improve that. And I think it will help unstick some of those sticking places. Right. When reading, is it almost second nature kind of to comb through the story? Like, for instance, I played basketball for many years. And so when I watch a basketball game, I have to kind of like almost analyze kind of what's going on in the game. Is that like almost second nature to you when you're reading now? It, it kind of always has been. Um, I always, so I was a double major in, in college and one of my majors was literature and I always loved analyzing other authors' works and finding the deeper themes and, and all mm. those, those nuances that, that escaped other people. Um, so yeah, I used to think that I wanted to be an editor. Um, for a lot of years I really considered doing that, but no, now I'm so much more passionate about writing my own new and hopefully unique stories. Um, but yeah, I think there's always a little bit of a, oh, if I had written that, I would have done that differently. I wouldn't say I critique more like I try and figure out where the author's going with the story, like seeing if I can figure out, like get in their head and see where they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always like that part too, especially if, you know, if it's a really right. well done story that keeps you guessing to the end, it's always so fun. Yes. Um, I even kind of like it, you know, when they outsmart me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that turning point where you knew, like, I want to, I want to try writing. You know, it was so funny. I, um, so I always thought it would be something I might try in retirement, um, as a hobby more and hey, maybe I'll be okay at it. And then with the quarantine having, gosh, at the time, I didn't know if it was going to be a month off, a couple of months off. Um, I'm not one who can just sit idle, <laughs> um, with that time mm, off. Right. <laughs> I thought, let's just see if I can write a full length novel. Never tried it before. Well, I did when I was, Maybe 12 years old, I tried to write a book, and I think it ended up, the entire story was seven or eight pages. And I thought, oh, dear, that's pretty short. Just wrapped up the whole story. <laughs> it's a very short story. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't supposed to be. Um, so I guess I sort of convinced myself at that time that, oh, I can't write a full-length novel, which is ridiculous. I was 12 or whatever. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so I thought it was kind of a lark, um, just Let's see if I can write a full length novel and if it's any good. Um, and then as I as I did it, I would have those days where I'd get so excited. And my husband's been working from home, so I would, you know, force him to listen to this scene or honey, read this chapter. I'm really proud of it. And uh, and yeah, just the, the joy of doing that was was pretty unexpected. That's it is an amazing feeling. And then once you finish the book, how did you decide you wanted to self publish? I think as I was writing it, um, I kind of knew that I would have to go the self-published route. I mean, right? Who, who am I and what are my credentials that any publishing house would ever take a look at me? Hey, you never but, know. <laughs> yeah, and then and then just reading there's so much online now about self-publishing and why we should, why we shouldn't, um the pros and cons and um, yeah, I just really thought that sounds like me. I like having, you know, more control over Right. The way that it's marketed and, and cover choice and, and so on and so forth. So your first book, I think, was actually called something else. It was. Originally, it was called Book Review. And what made you do a rewrite or re redo on your <laughs> cover slash title? <laughs> um, so I was pretty proud of that first one. Um, and... I can't remember, RJ, if you read it in that form. I don't no. think you did. No, I didn't. Okay. 
So the way it ended, it did not have an epilogue then, and it was just kind of open-ended, whether the two main characters are going to be friends or if they're going to try dating or just working together. Um, and I kind of liked that, that mm-hmm. I felt like it was up to the reader to decide, you know, or even depending on your mood. Sometimes when I read romance, it's like, well, I'm kind of skeptical, so I don't think they're really going to work out. Or, you know, sometimes I'm feeling sentimental and, oh, yeah, they're going to be happy together forever. So I kind of liked that idea of leaving it open-ended for the reader to decide based on their mood or their personality or, you know, what they what they thought the two characters were going to do. Um and that didn't get a whole lot of great feedback. <laughs> oh, um, <boy. laughs> I, and, and that makes sense for the genre, right? Romance, right. We, we pretty much want a happily ever after. Correct. So, so yeah, I wanted to do an epilogue. And, and also, at the time, I think when I first came up with the title book review, I thought that was quite clever because, um, you know, Sophie, the main character, she finds Jackson's notes and she does a revision of them. And ends up going through the book that he's working on, reviewing it. Um, but I think a lot of people missed that definition of review as they were reading it. And they thought she was a book reviewer or supposed to be right. a book reviewer. Um, so, yeah, I just really felt like the title was kind of missing the the entire story arc. Um, so I changed that and I did a cover revision um and uh, some small changes to the story itself and of course added that important epilogue so i totally got the book review side of it um, oh, good. and i could see <laughs> i could see how it could be confusing i guess mm-hmm. but that's like you know you you take such a risk sometimes and and it is great that you could start over and hit undo kind of thing yes that's another benefit to self publishing right right and, and being pretty unknown <laughs> right now. Did you, before kind of putting this out, did you have any fears about putting this thing out? And, and if so, what was kind of that motivation? Like what was driving you to still do it anyway? So even still, I, I dread and fear the, um, less than four star reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a thin skin, I suppose, when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I've forced, yeah, <laughs> I forced myself to kind of not read them, which is hard because I feel like, okay, if several people are saying the same thing, I want to pay attention to it so I can improve as a writer. But so often they're just kind of mean spirited or, um, or I feel like they, they didn't really get my characters that, that my style's just not their cup of tea, which is fine. Um, so I think it's better for me to try to not read those. Sometimes I do, but it's better to not read those and just, um, you know, try to write the best book that I can on my own. And then, of course, through the editing process and all that. So that's always a fear is when I see a two or a three star come up, it's like, oh, don't read it. Don't read it. But it's hard mm. to not read it. Do you ever respond to these people that, that kind of leave those reviews? So something funny happened and I told RJ about this. I did um, a writer exchange, a review exchange with another writer who contacted me and um, and that one went pretty well. His book was about 10 times longer than I realized it was. So that was <laughs> pretty arduous. Um, uh, but yeah, so I got through it and the review went pretty well. And he said something to me about he he sent me the review he was going to post of my book and said, okay, what would you like me to change? And I thought, that's not how this works. Um, we don't get to write our own reviews and then you post them. Right. Um, 
but I guess that's he's in this writer's group and that's kind of how they do it. Um, I did not, as an ethical point, I did not make any changes to his review. I said, no, you, you post whatever you feel comfortable posting. And then um, someone else from his group contacted me and we did another, we did an exchange and uh, the review he was going to post of mine was, I think, four stars, but something, you know, the verbiage was not very kind. And um, and so I wrote, you know, he, he said something about, um, you know, shall we do another one? And I wrote back, I said, you know, I was trying to be as polite as possible. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd prefer not to. Um, thanks. <laughs> I, I know, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to respond better to constructive, positive um, suggestions rather than put downs. Um, and he came back pretty strongly that it wasn't a put down. And perhaps as you mature as a writer, you'll you'll grow a thicker skin. And <laughs> wow. Ouch. So he, he doubled down. <laughs> but it's um, funny because I had a similar experience with another writer and we kind of like bonded over that, I think, because I felt <laughs> what you felt, because it's it's tough to hear that from, a you know, another writer. It's like, all right, take it easy a little bit. <laughs> Don't kill me now. I get, yeah, I just think there are better ways to do that. And mm-hmm. I shared with you as I shared with him because I have to give him credit. He came back and said, do you have a suggestion for what I, I could have said instead? And so I did. I said, how about instead of saying, you know, I can't even remember what he said now, something about how um, it's, you know, I can't remember. It's it's uninspired, something like that. I said, how about instead of just, you know, labeling it or insulting it, you say, in this scene, what if you tried this instead of that? So It's a little bit more easy to digest, I think, if you say it. It really is. It, it makes it more of a discussion, right? Right. And I can't help but think with, with some of these, it's, you know, I'm sorry, but what are your credentials? You know, are you a, a Pulitzer Prize winning author that, or, or a literature professor? You know, no, right, you're just right. another indie author who has his own opinions about what writing should be. And although so anyway. I think in my case, I think, I think she was like a professor of like, remember jazz? Yeah, I think she I was like remember. a English professor and I was like, oh crap. <laughs> if I had known that first, I would have said, don't read this. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But, but you heard, know, even in, yeah. Uh, even with a professor, gosh, in school, I had some professors who just loved my writing style and it was, you know, A pluses across the board. And then there was one who she just did not like my writing style at all. I got my first C minus, I think, on a paper. And when I went to ask her for, you know, how can I improve on the next one? Because I don't want to, you know, fuck this class. She didn't really have any good suggestions. It was just like, we'll just do it better. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's helpful. That's not helpful. <laughs> no. So. So I dropped the class, which is hard because I'm not really a quitter, but I thought, okay, I think you just, our writing styles are not the same, so you'll never bridge that gap. Right. Cut your losses. And it doesn't mean you're a bad writer just because a professor didn't like your particular style. <laughs> right, right. How, how do you, how do ideas strike for you when, you know, when you want to write a story? Like, where do they, where do they come from? Gosh, a couple of times I've had dreams. And then I woke up and thought, oh, that's a story. Quick, write it down. Right. <laughs> um, the one I'm writing currently, it's the first in a, a series, a seasonal series. So a book for each season plus mm-hmm. two extras for the fringe seasons. Okay. 
Um, and this one was inspired by Don Henley's Boys of Summer song, which I've always loved. And it, it's sort song. of, isn't that a good song? <laughs> So yeah, it uh, it uh, took me back to you know sort of that the nostalgia of youth and what it was like to to have a summer romance and know that it wasn't going to last beyond the summer and you know thinking of that throughout the years. That first story that you wrote that you said was you know seven or eight pages long. Do you yes. still have it? And did you look back at it and see if you can make that story longer? I do not have it. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, some I people that. save these things. <laughs> That's true. You know, I, I read all the time these authors who've been writing, you know, scribbling little things since they were kids and they still have them all. I do not know. I think that one probably went in the recycle bin immediately after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I remember at the time I was inspired by um, Christopher Pike. Did you guys read him growing up? Okay, I've heard of him. I've never read no. him. No. Like sort of along the R.L. Stein, mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of spooky mystery almost. Um, and the main characters were usually teenagers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you YA would call it YA now. Right. Um, but yeah, at the time, one of his characters was in high school and writing under a pen name. And, you know, I thought, well, heck, if he can do it, so can I. <laughs> but no, I couldn't. <laughs> See, I wish I still had my first story or what have you, because me and my brother decided one day we were going to kind of write this like graphic novel with some words to it. So I was like, OK, I'll, I, he, he drew at the time. So I was like, all right, I'll write all the words. You do the drawings. So he he did the drawings and then I wrote the words. Then we got into a fight. So <laughs> to get back at me. He ripped up the words. So I turned oh, no. around and ripped up his drawings. So that oh, was no. what happened with that story. That could have been a masterpiece. It could have been. You never know. <laughs> How old were you when that happened? Ooh, I was probably like 10, maybe. Creative differences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. <laughs> I don't know why so we fight that way, but it, it, it's just, <laughs> casualty of the uh, of the argument. Well, you you put your heart and soul into that graphic novel, and right. uh, how how better to get back at each other? I guess so. <laughs> Revenge, right? And right. Jasmine, what do you what do you write right now? Um, well, I haven't published anything, but a lot of the things I do write, if they're not poems, they're mystery in nature. Not a lot of romance. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big romance person but I like I like action so I, I try to write like mystery or thriller type stories I, I think that's more my heart and soul too it's very odd that I've gone the romantic comedy route um, <laughs> because so many romances out there to me I don't know they're kind of predictable and lots yes, of the same storyline I think also <laughs> so I'm trying very hard to write I mean, I think we all try to write unique storylines, but but I'm really trying to write, um, you know, of course, strong, independent women with their own careers and they don't necessarily need to find love or aren't necessarily searching for love. And um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to in the future get into other genres too. do some of the rules kind of of romance like like upset you a little because they do to me sometimes when I when I read I, I'm not always a big happily ever after person I'm like no let let it all be in chaos like what's wrong with that absolutely yes <laughs> it's nice to hear someone else say it <laughs> and and that was Jasmine's advice to me when I wrote 
my my first story, Fame, that the, mm-hmm. the main characters weren't supposed to wind up together. And I kept mm-hmm. telling her, I'm like, but no, you don't understand. Like, they have to wind <laughs> up together. Like, people will murder me. <laughs> like, like, it just has to be, you know, a, they have to wind up together. Yeah, and that's that's what I keep coming across too. Is that that's that's romance. Is yeah, gotta have. If but not he, a happily ever after, then a happily for now. Right, and I'm sappy, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I admit there are elements of my personality that sometimes are sappy, but for the most part, I'm more um, well, like Sophie. That you know, I don't need love. I'm perfectly content on my own, and you know, everything in life is going well. So, so why rock the boat? <laughs> right. right. I agree with that. <laughs> but, um, but I did find a very nice man to marry. So I suppose I can, <laughs> in, in spite of the fact that I would it have been quite out. content. Yeah. So now it's like same for my characters. Even though you would have been perfectly content to stay single, you also found a very nice man. So good for you. <laughs> it's like the icing on the cake. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I know you use an editor, and I know you have a cover designer. What is it like to go through those processes with designing the cover with someone else and getting edits back? Um, I don't have an editor. That's all me. Oh, okay. I thought I I remembered you saying that you did. Mm -mm. All right, so that makes me feel really better because I don't have one either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's probably vanity, but I feel like I do a better job editing myself than Mm. lots of what I read out there. Um, so I figure I was going to say well, I think you do a good job <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> yeah I haven't yet caught any grammar or typo mistakes or anything like that so do I feel use, okay with um, that I know I use Grammarly do you use anything like that I don't in all my um, in the early stages of, of going through and reading articles on you know how to be a self-published author I came across something that I thought was so helpful and it's worked really well for me on every book so far the first edit you go through is kind of a content edit to make sure that the story flows and you have all the elements that you want. And then the second edit is your copy edit where you're choosing the words. If you have two or three words, you can't decide between and looking for those, you know, grammar errors, things like that. And then the third edit, either you read it aloud or you have, you know, have the computer read it to you. Mm-hmm. And in listening to it, you really can catch a couple of things that your eyes just skipped over and filled in. Right. Um, so, yeah, with that, that three edit process, I've, I've found has worked really well for me. How do you how do you how do you cipher through the information? I mean, there's a lot on the Internet that you can find. Like what how do, like what do you find that, that works for you? How do you determine that? I, I, I've tried a couple of things and I thought, no, that doesn't feel like me and rejected that. Um, and then other things just in reading them, I thought, oh, that sounds like I could really make that work. So like the way that I outline. And I think, is 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 it that both of you are pantsers or one of you is and one is not? I'm a pantser. Uh-huh. All the way. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I still, I still kind of write out a lot of things before I actually sit down and type something. I don't, I don't know, something about that helps me. But for the most part, I mean... I, I write down ideas and then just kind of go from there and see what happens. Yeah, a, a combined. Yes, yeah. yes. For sure. And generally I have like an idea or a theme for a story and then I just sit down and let it flow. And sometimes mm-hmm. it changes from what I really thought it was going to be. But for the most part, I think 
you know, if I jot down a couple themes that I'd like to get into the book, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that that's a plotter at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think I'm, I'm mostly a plotter and then as I get into it, it can change and I'll go back and, and also tweak the outline. But I found a book on outlining that was so much more than that for me because it talked about why certain aspects of your outline can help develop your story and your characters. And when I did the revision of that originally titled book review, um, I went through and did an outline for it before I, I did the revision. And I felt like it just really helped to tighten up the storyline and the characters and, you know, get rid of things that at the time I thought were important to the story, but they really weren't. And, mm. um, so yeah, finding, finding that was good. And then, you know, of course they've, there's these people out there, David Gogren and, um, Kindlepreneur and Dave Chesson. And I don't know if you guys know these names. Um, but you know, they have all these starting from zero courses and, you know, Amazon decoded and book bub ads and all of that stuff. And so those have been pretty enlightening. Um, and yeah, I'm still so new that I think I'm trying a lot of things and figuring out what works for me and what doesn't. And what about the book covers? Are you buying like pre-made covers? Cause I think they really, really do fit the story. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully now they do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that first cover, since it was, um, romantic comedy, I really wanted to do something kind of cartoony. Um, and then I also like, um, having my readers imagine for themselves what the characters look like. I don't like to over describe them. Right, right. Um, and of course in, in our genre, you see lots of just people's legs, <laughs> you know, yeah. headless, <laughs> headless characters on covers. Um, but the interesting or challenging part of that first book was that my two main characters don't meet until the very end. Right. So they have all these exchanges. Well, how do you convey that on a cover? Um, you know, it's not very exciting to see a computer or a phone. <laughs> this is how right. you communicate. Um, but yes, yeah, so I don't want to like, I don't want to give like a spoiler alert, but Haley basically wrote a book within a book and it, it was just off the charts creative. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that first cover I went through Fiverr, um, and we went back and forth a whole bunch of times and I liked it when it was done. But, um, like we talked about, I don't think it necessarily conveyed what the story was about. And, uh, uh several comments, I guess they didn't read the description or something, um, that with the, the steamy warning, um, several comments, um, thought it was a little too, too spicy for what the cover was conveying. So I thought, okay, I need to get a more mature, um, sexy kind of cover. And, uh, and so I, I went through ebook launch to get it re- redone and, and I used them for, um, the next two covers as well. I don't like sometimes when people judge the book by its cover. Yeah, it's hard, but it's, it seems to be a fact of, of the biz. <laughs> right. Mm. I mean, I'd much rather read the blurb on the back than actually pay attention <laughs> to the cover personally, but I guess mm-hmm. everybody's not like that. Right. It's true. Especially in romance. <laughs> Another romance rule. Yeah. <laughs> there are the list, many. The list is very long. I see that. <laughs> so RJ uses kind of like this, I guess with her uh, her pen name here, it's kind of like her alter ego. Do you have like mm-hmm. a similar thing going on with yours? 
I kind of do, yes. And, and my best friend actually is the one who said that, to think of it that way, um, because originally I was going, I hate all of the selling myself aspect of it, you know, the Facebook and the Instagram, and I'm not a social media person to begin with. So Me but too. You, you have to, you have to put yourself out there so people get to know who you are. And, and that's what my best friend Jennifer said to me was, you know, just think of it as this is your alter ego and this is what she does is she Instagrams and Facebooks and, you know, still be genuine, still be who you are. But um, this is just another aspect of that personality. Is it difficult to do that still, though, even with an alter ego? Yes. Instagram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think I'm, I've always been of the opinion that um, what I do day to day is probably not that interesting to most people. So I don't feel the need to post about it um, and like like my own personal Facebook page I I only have one because someone told me I should years ago and I never go on it and and now that I have the Haley Saul Facebook page it's it's like well nobody's nobody's really on it yet so I don't update it very much and and Instagram blocked me in October for who knows why uh yeah. so so for better or worse, I haven't been able to post on Instagram since October, and I've really been enjoying the break. <laughs> wow. Did they, they didn't tell you why? No, I suspect um, at the same time I posted something in book uh, 1.5, um, the, the two main characters play guitar together. One of them has a Fender Stratocaster. And so I, I wrote up a, you know, fact sheet interesting facts about um fender stratocasters and posted that on facebook with some images that i got from unsplash you know royalty free mm-hmm. and um and i suspect because facebook blocked that post um i suspect they think that i wasn't authorized to use those images wow hmm. so at the same time instagram blocks the account and and facebook is fine i can post things there now but um it was fine within a couple of days but instagram still still won't let me do anything <laughs> wow that's crazy they yeah. aren't just getting really like i don't know what their formula is for how they figure out who they block but like some of the content is like that should not be flagged like i don't know what they're doing it makes you scared yeah and there's no recourse you know you can't contact anyone and appeal to right. them and say look i this is royalty free it's i'm fine to use these images but i have heard that before but i have heard people have contacted them and and have been able to do something but it's like you create this whole following and then you have to start over like that's not fair yeah yeah i agree (laughs) Mm. all right so you write the silver fall series and i think you already gave a little bit about it is there anything else you want to share or you know the new book that's coming out i think it's in april yes april 1st i'm i'm releasing um preconceived notions which is uh, Rachel and Scott's story, the two best friends from the main characters of the first book, An Unexpected Find. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about this one because I think it tackles something that I personally have never read in a book, um, uh, fertility issues and someone who decides, you know, to foster and adopt a child instead of, you know, going the traditional having a baby route. Um, and I... I'm excited about that. I'm really curious to see what the response is going to be because in my own practice, I've seen so many patients who've struggled with fertility issues and they've gone through IUI and IVF and, you know, you see the depression and how it affects them and their relationships with their 
spouses and um yeah so I'm 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 pretty excited about this one well, I'm on chapter four so don't say any more <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to I don't want any spoilers <laughs> no spoilers <laughs> It's crazy because I have a, a friend currently who's going through that whole process. Well, has been for the last two years. And so mm-hmm. I I almost encourage her sometimes to like stop. I know that's kind of weird to say, but when I see yeah, like I every mean, time something happens, like a, a miscarriage or, you know, some kind of like, um, you know, what I, I don't even know the names or the terminology, but like something bad happens and then it's, oh, I got to start all over and, she cries it's it's like a really and you've mentioned adoption to her yes she's not really into the adoption route but she's like oh no I'm gonna keep trying I'm gonna keep trying and it's it's very expensive so I'm Mm -hmm. like that's a very hard uh, situation there it's um it's heartbreaking and uh maybe a little frustrating I think I don't understand and I'm not saying they're wrong but I don't understand the that kind of dedication to having one's own biological child mm-hmm. uh, when it is so, so hard. It takes a toll on you, on your relationship, on your body. It's expensive. It's um, I just, yeah, I, I do wish that more people would consider foster adoption and all of that. Cause I've also had a couple of patients who've done that and, and it was a wonderful experience for them and they're so glad they did. Yeah. I do think there's think some stigmas it? around that. I was oh, say, definitely. Do you think as a woman, you feel like a failure because your body's meant created to do one thing and it won't do it. Like I know cause I, I've, I've had fertility issues and that's how I felt personally. Okay. Yeah. You, you hear a lot of that and, and similar to um, breast cancer, right? When, when right. a woman has, has to have a mastectomy that they feel less of a woman yeah. and, and I've never gone through either myself, but I really wish that, um, if you could just say to a woman, this is not what makes you you, right. you know, right. you are so much more than your ability to conceive or having breasts or, you know, whatever it is that we identify with. Um, or, you know, maybe you go through chemotherapy and you lose all your hair. It's, it doesn't matter. You're still who you are. And, you know, hold on to that. Yeah, I think those are very hard kind of mindsets to break. The, it's yeah. hard to hear, but it's good advice. For like sure. if more people said it. For sure, it would be, you know, it would help a lot of people. And I feel like we're you know, with the Me Too movement and I don't know, this this time in history is is a good time for women to to embrace who they are and be strong and and break a lot of these old stereotypes. Right. That um, I'm reading a Regency romance right now, and, and I love that they talk about, you know, women are more than just a pretty face and genteel manners. You know, it's um, we're our brains, too. And 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 so much more is is who we are than than just the way that we look or what we can do, you know, the, whether we can conceive or not and or 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 be a mother. It's, you know. That's not all who you are, just like for men, you know, they're not identified with with their their sperm count and, and their ability to to impregnate a woman. It's, it's like are he, you sure? he's so much. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's you know, why can't we be so much more than than our traditional roles? Do you think that's what kind of flocks some women to writing, perhaps? I hope so. You know, I, I hope that 
that we see more more of these breaking down stereotypes and and writing different different types of characters you know who like like we talked about before it's not all about love and marriage and babies you know maybe they have other goals in life right. um and and you know men aren't always the tough guy who can't cry you know and stereotypes for men too it's like mm-hmm. you know we we don't have to subscribe to them just because they've been around forever right right so I have a daughter and a son, and I've I kind of had my own little like motto going here. It's to raise your daughter fierce and your son to be sensitive. Mm, um, I love that. I, yeah, so I I try and live by that with my own kids because I definitely wasn't raised that way, and that's not traditionally how I think children are raised. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, you you have to have both sides of it. You know, your, your daughter needs to be sensitive as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that's uh that's my take on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I like that. I, I I think it's funny. We were, I was talking to my mom yesterday about um something, and I said, is that because we're conditioned from such a young age to believe that, you know, um just like you need milk to grow strong bones, right? Is there some right. advertising campaign out there that it teaches us that you know? like you brought up you're not you're less of a woman because you have fertility issues and it's like is that so ingrained from a young age that you know we really have to work to teach our kids you know that's not necessarily true even if you hear it everywhere you go (laughs) right i understand because growing up as a kid there was like a motto that ran through my grandmother every time i saw her and if i didn't like let's say i like she came in the house and my hair was wild she would be Mm -hmm. like Jasmine, your hair is your beauty. And that's like something she said to me all the time. So like when I, it's ingrained in me, like when I hear that, like sometimes it's like maybe for me a little cringy when I see like a woman shave her head. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, all I could think about was that time, every time when she was like, your hair is your beauty. It's like the only thing I could think about when I see that. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but that's it's a little funny. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I I think it's funny too. Yeah, I think I was lucky that both my mother and grandmother were pretty independent women. I was raised just by my mom, and um, there was never any of this "oh, you're a princess" kind of talk. It was you can be anything you want and you will go to college and, um, you know, you can be a doctor, you could be the president, you could be anything. You know, don't don't necessarily limit yourself to what's uh, traditional gender roles. Right. All right. So since we got off book talk, (laughs) I mean, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I know there has been a lot of stuff happening in Portland area. And I'm just curious since you're there, what what was that like, like over the summer? Oh, you know, I'm removed enough that I really didn't even see any of it. Oh, Um, good. Okay. (laughs) And, and I think that's kind of common, of course, um, if we don't live in an area, you hear Portland and it's, oh, my gosh, are you right there in the middle of the riot? Right. Uh, but we're about 20, 30 minutes in, in a suburb of Portland. <laughs> so, okay. so, yeah, we, we didn't see any of that. And if not for COVID, um, my husband works downtown, so he probably would have had to deal with it. But he's been working from home since last March. So um, so he missed all of that, too. Well, that's good. Yeah, I've got a couple of patients who live there and, you know, one of them was telling me that, you know, 
it's kind of scary to hear mm. downstairs her apartment, um, you know, to hear the, the rioting and breaking glass and things like that. Um, so she just, she stayed indoors at night. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that it, of course, came at the same time as COVID because so many people right. are staying home behind closed doors anyway. So I have a friend that lives in Charleston and her husband's actually a police officer and just mm. the stuff that she was telling me, I couldn't even like fathom living through something like that. And I just, I think people lost their mind in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a scary time to be a police officer for sure. Even yeah. a good one. Mm. That's true. So any other exciting news you want to share? We have just a few minutes left. You have your book coming out in April. You're writing another series. Anything else you should look forward to? I'm excited about that new series because I've already done the outlines for all six books. So I think all six. Yes. You're ahead of the game there. Maybe I should start outlining. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of felt like I had to because it's, you know, six female friends and their, their lives sort of intertwine a little bit. So I wanted to make sure I knew how they were going to come into each other's books. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And, uh, and then maybe after that, that I'm guessing that will probably take me about a year and a half to write those six. Um, cause I can usually write about a book every three months or so. Um, then yeah, I'm hoping after that to take the, the break and, and switch into more of the science fiction side. Awesome. But we'll see. Well, <laughs> we wish you the best of luck and thank you so much for talking with us this morning. Thank you. It was lovely to be on. I did my first podcast. Yay. (laughs) It was great meeting you. You too, Jasmine. You have to let me know when when you have something out. I will. I will most definitely do that. (laughs) We just have to convince her to do that first. That might be the hard part. (laughs) Yeah, it's time. Let the world read your words. Yes. If you made it this far, you survived another episode of Married to My Writing. Stay tuned for our next interview with author Paul G. Wright. Until next time.